Next up is find it. Uh, hmm. Karen Rose is a New York City-based writer and photographer who documents rock and roll and urban life. She is a contributor to Pitchfork, MTV News, Salon, Billboard, The Village Voice, Vulture, The Guardian, and NPR, among others. We're very happy to have her. Karen Rose. So like everybody else, I don't have anything new. Um, in my defense, because I've been, I was telling, um, I was mentioning earlier because I've been working on anthology. So uh, this is an essay I have in this great book called Woman Walk the Line. It's a women writing about country music, uh, writing about women in country music. So there's people, Taylor Swift has an, has an essay in here. Um, and what's funny is uh, the woman, the editor of this book, contacted me a year ago, and she was like, oh, I should have asked you sooner. I would really love to have you contribute to this book. And I was like, I don't, the only person I could possibly write about is already taken. And she was like, well, who is it? And I said, Mabel Carter. And she's like, we actually don't have that. <laughs> so she's like, tell me what your story is. And I gave her, again, I'm like, I'm going to give her this paragraph, and then she's going to go away and leave me alone. And I explained to her my history with Mabel Carter. And she's like, that's awesome. 1,500 words, please, in two weeks. Um, so um, this is, book has been doing really well. It had got my name mentioned in the New York Times Book Review, which is a thing I can actually show my father, because that he understands. Um, yes. So um, yellow is too long. OK. Um, and it also ended up being the first essay in the book, so like no pressure or anything. Um, anyway, um, I found American folk music through what seemed like an unlikely back door, discovering Woody Guthrie via Pete Seeger via Bob Dylan while I was at Girl Scout camp. So much of what you sang at camp in the 70s had to do with whether or not your counselors played guitar. If they didn't, you would still get access to the unexpected. That's where I learned Froggy went a Courtney, but a guitar gave you more options. Because of cool guitar coding guitar-toting counselors, over the course of a series of summers, I learned all the verses to This Land is Your Land alongside Sloop John B., Beautiful People next to Joe Hill, Heart of Gold after I Shall Not Be Moved, and The Bear Went Over the Mountain with Keep on the Sunny Side. To me, they were all just camp songs until I turned on the radio and there were Neil Young and the Beach Boys singing the songs I had learned around a campfire or hiking the Appalachian Trail or walking to and from the dining hall three times a day. A singing camper was a happy camper. As a preteen, I was voracious about music, consuming anything I could get my hands on, sleeping with the radio under my pillow, listening to AM and FM and WCBS Golden Oldies and world, world music shows on public radio. I read at a level far above my grade, thanks to my mother, so my parents would buy me any music history books that looked substantial, and I would go to the library on weekends to peruse the stacks or... After I learned how to use the Reader's Guide to Periodical Literature, sorry, this is really dating. I also rode in a covered wagon when I did these things. Um, uh, Reader's Guide to Periodical Literature, uh, thread microfilm into one of those old pyramid projection machines. But it wasn't until I heard Joan Baez singing Joe Hill on the Woodstock soundtrack that I realized that there was something going on with some of those songs. I started looking around. Bob to Pete to Woody. 
I knew those songs. I began tracing the threads of every song I knew to try to find their origins. In the process, I was learning about the history of American recorded music, the history of rock and roll, the history of folk. One Saturday, as I was flipping through a book, I came upon a black and white photograph of a woman holding a guitar with absolute comfort, looking impassive. This was not a big deal to her, and very much at home. The caption told me that she was named May Bell Carter, and I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know more not because I wanted to play guitar, but because I loved music and wanted to feel like there was a place somewhere in there for me, even as just a music fan. Every time I talked knowledgeably about music, and I held forth extensively in order to prove I actually knew what I was talking about, I was viewed as a unicorn and had to listen to yet another proclamation of, you sure know a lot about music for a girl. So I was looking for all the women I could find, role models, sisters, compatriots. Punk rock would come a year or two later, and I didn't see myself in Janis Joplin or Grace Slick. Hart was basically Led Zeppelin, who I didn't like at all. Shh, don't tell anyone. I hadn't found Joni Mitchell yet. There were not a lot of options. Mabel Carter wasn't hesitant or asking permission to be there. She was there. She wasn't backing up some dude. She was the musician. I had librarians who loved me and did inter- interlibrary loans for, for record albums, those early 70s RCA compilations of the Carter family, so that I, headphones on, could hear her play sitting in the library on a rainy Saturday, wishing for clues in the album covers that would tell me more about her. The librarians helped me find paragraphs or sections of books about her, covering it up with, this is research for a school paper, uh, when quizzed. All I could tell them was, I just want to know more about this woman and who she was and why she did what she did. We were in cahoots. It wouldn't be the last time that I learned that other women will help you if you need to find something out but it was one of the first conscious moments of solidarity for me. I couldn't explain why I needed to know more, just that I did. I wasn't asking permission, and they weren't requiring me to. I needed to know. That was enough. They legitimized my quest. I stumbled onto the Carter family around the same time that I began to connect the dots about stacks and the blues when I was digging down to find the roots of everything to try to understand where what I listened to came from to identify a song heard in passing on the radio, you would try to be near a phone to call the disc jockey or walk into a record store and describe it as best you could. I didn't see it as country music. I just saw it as early music, roots music before that was any kind of a thing, the origins, the basics. My parents were from Brooklyn and Chicago. My father loves news talk radio, but my mother hung out in jazz clubs listening to Ahmad Jamal and she loved Frank Sinatra and Johnny Mathis. I grew up on show tunes. What we didn't listen to was country music in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't just that my mother didn't like it. It was about class. Having stepped up out of the working class to the middle class, there were things you did not do. You didn't watch Hee Haw, and you didn't listen to country music. But I wanted to listen to everything, just because I could. I was afraid I would miss something, which is why I walked around with the radio glued to my ear or under my pillow or listened via a surreptitious earbud while riding in the family car. I would come back to Mother Maybell over the years as she began to get the credit and recognition she deserved. I loved the story about her taking over the family business after A.P. Carter and her sister, then A.P.'s wife, Sarah, left, starting the Carter sisters with her daughters, Anita, Helen, and June, because this was a way to earn money for the family and there was money to be made. She took control of the Carter family legacy as sure as any PR expert. 
When June met Johnny Cash and later married him, the Carter sisters became part of that path as well. When there was a folk revival in the 60s and renewed interest in the songs the Carter family played, Mabel managed to find a way to be part of that too. She managed to hustle without drawing attention to the fact that was, in fact, what she was doing because ambitious women were not well thought of. She never said such a thing, but it is part of the unwritten code all women know and have handed down through generations. Sorry, I'm also partially blind. Mabel Carter didn't just play guitar. She played guitar when it wasn't considered a serious instrument, when it was considered a backing instrument at best. Mabel Carter not only played guitar, she invented and established a playing style, now known as the Carter Scratch, that became a fundamental of country music. One time, Mama went to L.A. and played a coffee house back in the 60s. And a bunch of the college students kept coming in to Mother and wanting her to play the Carter Scratch. Well, she had no idea what they were talking about, but evidently, she finally figured out the way she picked the melody on the bass and then stirred with her fingers. That's what they, why they called it the Carter Scratch. She would strum the rhythm and pick out the melody with her thumb in a rolling, rolling fluid motion that might look simple, simple, but there are many established country musicians in this day and age ready to tell you in no uncertain terms that it is not. She was a lead guitarist. She wasn't decorative. She wasn't optional. She was the main musician, and she acted like it. She didn't stomp around insisting on credit. She just showed up and played. I loved the stories of her smoking and driving the van, being a real road warrior, and I tried to imagine the freedom that playing music gave her, a freedom that most women in that day and age could not even imagine. Mabel Carter was self-taught. She was playing banjo when she was three years old. She was voracious. She kept the music and the songs and the tradition going. She just got up every day and worked. And there was no way it wasn't hard, and there's no way she didn't go through what every woman at the forefront of anything goes through. But she just kept doing it anyway, like so many women before her and after her. In an interview with Billboard in 1968, she told a story about having to ride on the model of the running board of the Model T they used for touring because the lights went out, and it was the only way they would get home. She tells it matter-of-factly, yes, it was hard, yes, I had to do these things but it's just a thing they had to do to be on tour, to take their music to the audiences where they were. She also mentions in that interview how if they got 200 people at a show, she considered it a success because most of those people had to walk to get there. The phenomenal amount of just plain life she had to get through just to be able to do her job is more than most of us face in a lifetime. It's a good thing to remember when you think things are getting hard. Thank you. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. 
Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque Burles- <laughs> club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.